this afternoon I will go ahead and begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Most Holy and Immaculate Virgin Mary, Queen of the Most Holy Rosary, from thine exalted throne of mercy, turn thy pitying gaze upon us, O Mary, upon our families, upon our country, and upon the universal church and the supreme pontiff. Do thou have compassion upon us by reason of the miseries whereby we are encompassed and the tribulations which make life bitter for us. See, dear mother, how many perils to body and soul surround us, what calamities and afflictions oppress us. Show thyself a mother. Let compassion move thee, good mother. Compassion for our souls, for our families, our relations, and our friends, for our departed brethren, and above all, for the many souls who call themselves Christian and who nevertheless continue to wound the loving heart of thy dear son. We ask this day with tears for mercy. Mercy upon the nations that have gone astray, mercy upon the entire world, and mercy upon the church, especially her hierarchy, that all may return in penitence to thine immaculate heart. Have mercy upon us all, O loving Mother of Mercy. Queen of the Most Holy Rosary, pray for us. I will begin my talk by quoting to you from the prologue of St. John's Gospel. John chapter 1, verses 1, 14, and 16. Quote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory as it were of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of his fullness we all have received. Jesus Christ came down from heaven to bring us the grace of God and the truth of God. Without God's grace and truth, we cannot be saved. Jesus came into the world full of grace and truth. And of his fullness, we all have received. That is, we have received grace and truth. As Catholics, we must be filled with Christ's grace and truth. The theme of my talk this afternoon is how to keep and live our Catholic faith in this time of apostasy. What we most need to do is to be faithful to God's grace and truth which comes to us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, Jesus is the source of grace and truth. And so we must receive grace and truth from his fullness. I'll begin by just saying a quick word about grace. And what I'll do is I'll quote to you a very beautiful passage from St. John Marie Vianney. He teaches the following on the topic of grace. Quote, Can we of our own strength avoid sin and practice virtue? No, my children. We can do nothing without the grace of God. That is an article of faith. Jesus Christ himself taught it to us. See, the church thinks and all the saints have thought with her 
that grace is absolutely necessary to us and that without it, we can neither believe nor hope nor love nor do penance for our sins. As the earth can produce nothing unless it is fertilized by the sun, so we can do no good without the grace of the good God. Grace, my children, is a supernatural assistance which leads us to do good. It is the good God taking a sinner by the hand and wishing to teach him to walk. We are like little children. We do not know how to walk on the road to heaven. We stagger, we fall, unless the hand of the good God is always ready to support us. Grace makes us adopted sons of God. Grace makes us true heirs of God. Grace makes us brothers and co-heirs with Christ. Grace gives us supernatural life. Grace makes us just and pleasing to God. Grace gives us the capacity for supernatural merit. And grace unites us intimately with God. It makes us living temples of the blessed Trinity. So, in order for us to live our Catholic faith in these times of apostasy, there is nothing that we need more than God's grace. That's number one. We need God's grace. Without God's grace, we will stumble and fall, for sure, guaranteed. Now I'll say a brief word about the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. John chapter 14, verse 6, quote, I am the way and the truth and the life, close quote. Jesus' entire mission is to teach the truth. That's John 18, 37, quote, these are words of our Lord to Pontius Pilate, quote, for this was I born, and for this came I into the world, that I should give testimony to the truth, close quote. Now, the following is a very important point. Jesus willed to continue teaching the truth about God and himself, through his church. Thus, the church and her hierarchy have the sacrosanct mission to guard, transmit, and teach the truths taught by Jesus Christ. That's what we call the deposit of faith. This is the mission of the Catholic Church, and this is the mission of the hierarchy, this is the mission of the Pope. It's a very sacred mission. It's a supremely sacred mission because it's the divine mission of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Our Savior Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost will to continue teaching the truth through the church, in particular through the hierarchy. I'm going to quote to you from the Fourth Council of, Can of Constantinople in the year 869. The council taught the following, and it was reaffirmed by the First Vatican Council 1,000 years later in 1869 and 1870. Quote, the first condition of salvation is to maintain the rule of the true faith. Close quote. So if you want to be saved, if you want to live your Catholic faith well in difficult times, you have to be faithful to the rule of the true faith. Faithful to the truth taught by Christ and taught by the church for 2,000 years. The truth does not change. The truth never needs to be updated or adapted to different peoples and different cultures. 
The truth is Christ himself, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't speak a truth at one point in time and then need to change it later on or need to update it later on. We who are poor sinners, we have to adapt ourselves and convert in accordance with the truth, in accordance with Christ's truth. And also, hopefully some of you know this, this is the very beginning of one of the great creeds of the Catholic Church. One cannot be Catholic if one doesn't believe this. This is how the Athanasian Creed begins. Quote, Whoever wishes to be saved must before all else adhere to the Catholic faith. He must preserve this faith whole and untarnished. Otherwise, he shall most certainly perish forever. Close quote. Some of you hopefully are familiar with Father Gruner. He was the founder of the Fatima Center. I'll read to you right now two brief quotes of his on this topic of the truth. These are taken from a book that he wrote, a very beautiful book. Those of you that can read English, I strongly encourage you to read the book. It's called Crucial Truths to Save Your Soul. If you're going to, again, live your Catholic faith well in these very dark times, we have to know the truth and be faithful to it, no matter what. So Father Gruner says the following, quote, The church does not teach novelties of doctrine, for she has no power to invent new teachings. She has only the power to preserve and defend the revelation given to her by Christ and the apostles and handed down over the centuries in the Holy Bible and in the sacred tradition of the church. What was true yesterday cannot cease to be true today or tomorrow. It is impossible. It is true that the popes and bishops of the past half century have contributed much to the present confusion. But it doesn't matter who the mouthpiece is for such doctrinal novelties. If a pope alone or a council with the pope are not defining a dogma of the faith, their words must be measured against the infallible yardstick of the church's true magisterium. If what anyone says is contradictory to prior, continuous, and universal teachings of the church or to any of the church's solemn definitions, then that person is promoting a false teaching, a heresy, going against Christ, going against the perennial teaching of the Holy Catholic Church. And Finally, in speaking right now just about truth, I want to read to you a very important quote from Pope John XXIII. It's very significant because it helps us to understand what is taking place right now in the church, sadly. So this is taken from his inaugural encyclical letter, At Petri Cathedram written on June the 29th, 1959. Quote, All the evils which poison men and nations and trouble so many hearts have a single cause and a single source. Ignorance of the truth. And at times even more than ignorance, a contempt for truth and a reckless rejection of it. Thus arise all manner of errors which enter the recesses of men's hearts and the bloodstream of human society as would a plague. These errors turn everything upside down. They menace individuals and society itself. Close quote. 
This is a very prophetic warning given in 1959, just three years before the opening of the Second Vatican Council, where Pope John XXIII is teaching very clearly that the source of all evils, think about this, the source of every single evil is because people don't know the truth. They're ignorant of the truth. Or they have contempt for the truth. They don't care about the truth. They want to believe their own truths. So contempt for the truth. A rejection of the truth. Ignoring the truth. Or we can also add trying to change the truth. Trying to change the truth to suit one's own wants and one's own supposed needs. And so, a very important thing that all of us must do in order to keep and live our Catholic faith in these times of apostasy, and one of the ways to understand apostasy is a rejection of the truth. It's a rejection of God and a rejection of His truth. So one of the most important things that we all need to do is We have to study our Catholic faith. And we have to be super faithful to the promises of our baptism. Because when we're baptized, we're baptized in the truth. In the truth of God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We have to remain faithful to the truth. And it's important for us to be aware that nearly, listen carefully, nearly all the members of today's hierarchy have in one form or another betrayed Christ because they have betrayed his truth. They're not teaching his truth, defending his truth, extending his truth to the ends of the earth. And so this is extremely important. You have to understand this because if you're going to live your Catholic faith well, you're going to have to be very wary of what you hear coming from the hierarchy, whether it's the Pope, bishops, or priests. And study your faith. Study the old catechisms. I don't think it's been published in Polish, but a few years ago, the Fatima Center published a little booklet of the catechism, a catechism of our Catholic religion in English. So it's an example for those of you that can read English. Study that little catechism. It's published by the Fatima Center. There are obviously other catechisms as well. But we must be faithful to the truth. And... Many times, if you do this, you're going to be alone. You're going to be persecuted by others. You're going to be told by even priests and bishops, oh, you're not Catholic because, you're, because you think that. And it's the opposite. They're the ones that are not Catholic. In order to be Catholic, remember what I quoted to you from the Athanasian Creed. We must hold true to what the Catholic Church has always taught, her faith. And no one, no one, certainly not a pope, no one has authority to change the truth taught by Christ and his apostles. So, what else do we have to do to keep and live our Catholic faith in this age of apostasy? I'm going to focus on two main things. One is devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And two is devotion to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And these kind of um, keys that I'm giving you are not new. Some of you maybe are familiar with a very famous dream by of St. John Bosco. 
St. John Bosco lived in the 19th century and he had a famous dream called the dream of the two columns. He had this dream in 1862. It's interesting because it's exactly 100 years before the opening of the Second Vatican Council. And pretty much in this dream, he was foreseeing, among other things, the Second Vatican Council. But what happens in this dream is that there's a ship. There's a, the, the main ship, and then there are a lot of other ships, smaller ships that kind of belong to the large ship, and then also enemy ships. And it's a great battle that takes place on the sea. The big ship represents the Catholic Church. In the midst of this endless sea, two columns, a short distance apart, soar high into the sky. One is surmounted by a statue of the Immaculate Virgin, at whose feet a large inscription reads, Help of Christians. The other, far loftier and sturdier, bigger column, higher up column, supports a communion host of proportionate size and bears beneath the inscription, Salvation of Believers. So what happens in this dream again is there's a, fear, there's a fierce battle and there's also a storm. So we can say very dark times, kind of an image of a time of apostasy. And then what happens, what John Bosco sees in this dream, at, at certain points, the enemy ships, they ram into the large ship representing the Catholic Church and they, they, they create a hole. Obviously then, the church is, obviously, then the ship is going to sink. But what happens in the dream is immediately there comes a breeze from the two columns, and it seals up the hole. Remember this. Because whenever you're in crisis in your Catholic faith, and you're troubled, you don't know what to do. You're confused. Because... So many members of the hierarchy are teaching things that are not Catholic. Remember St. John Bosco's dream because the help is going to come from our Blessed Mother and the Holy Eucharist. In the dream, the Pope is wounded and then he dies. But immediately well, when he dies, the enemies start rejoicing because they think they're going to win the battle. But immediately after the Pope dies, a new Pope is elected. And then the new Pope, what he does is he steers the ship to safety. And he steers the ship to safety right between the two columns of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Holy Eucharist. And then, and then there they moor uh, the ship. And the ship has arrived safe to port. So... I mention this afternoon this dream of St. John Bosco to you because his dream is about our times. And through this dream, God also is showing us the solution, what he expects of us. Devotion to his most blessed mother, devotion to the Holy Eucharist. So now I'll say something about both of those things. First, devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, remember what I said at the beginning about grace. There's nothing more necessary than the grace of God. And right now, probably more than at any other period in the history of the church, we desperately need God's grace. How many Catholics are there that are genuinely begging God for his grace and help? And really putting energy and time into that. It's sad. Because so many of us are so distracted. We're so distracted by the things in the world. And even those of us that are trying to practice our religion, we're kind of content with, oh, well, I went to Mass. I prayed my rosary. But there are not that many of us, I fear, that really feel a sense of urgency to pray for God's grace and help. And yet that's what we need to do. 
Grace and truth come from God and our Savior Jesus Christ. But these come to us through Mary. Very important. The source is Jesus Christ. But Mary is the channel. Think about this. There is no such thing as a grace from God. And think back also what St. John Marie Vianney says about grace. That we can't do anything without God's grace. We can't believe, we can't hope, we can't um, uh, perform an act of charity, we can't do penance, we can't be sorry for our sins without God's grace. And so think about this. Every single grace that God gives us comes through Mary. It stands to reason then that as Catholics, we have to be supremely devoted to our Blessed Mother. In these times of terrible crisis, that is of apostasy, the rejection of God and his holy law, the rejection of the kingship of Christ, the rejection of the truths taught by the Catholic Church, and this even within the Catholic Church. So many within the Catholic Church today that don't want to accept Catholic Church teaching. This includes Pope Francis. This includes many cardinals. This includes many bishops. They don't want to accept Catholic Church teaching. They think that they have the authority to adapt and change it. Never. Neither the Pope nor the bishops are above the deposit of faith. What Christ himself teaches, what he himself wills to continue to teach through his church and through his hierarchy. So, in these times of terrible crisis, what we most need are God's grace and truth. So we necessarily need greater devotion to Mary. If you'll remember earlier today when Brendan gave his talk and he was explaining the apparitions of Our Lady at Fatima, one of the important things that he mentioned was the brilliant light which envelops Our Lady of Fatima. And it's a light more radiant than the sun. And also the light that emanates from Our Lady's hands. Remember this light because it's very significant. It's a marvelous symbol of how Our Lady of Fatima brings God's grace and truth. And how she brings God's grace and truth specific for our times, how she brings special graces for our times so that we will be able to live and keep our Catholic faith in spite of the diabolical disorientation that surrounds us. We are living in very dark times. A terrible storm is taking place. But God is good. And he loves us. And he has sent his most holy mother to bring us special graces. We have to pay attention. We have to grow in our devotion to our blessed mother, in particular also her immaculate heart. I'm going to just read to you right now a few of the saints and the pope, and one pope on how they explain this very important truth about our Blessed Mother, that every grace comes through her. St. Albert the Great, quote, The Blessed Virgin is very properly called Gate of Heaven. For every created or uncreated grace that ever came or will ever come into this world came through her, close quote. St. Bernardine of Siena, quote, All gifts, virtues, and graces of the Holy Ghost are administered by the hands of Mary to whomsoever she desires, when she desires, and in the manner she desires, 
and to whatever degree she desires, close quote, St. Louis de Montfort, quote, because God has decided to begin and accomplish his greatest works through the Blessed Virgin ever since he created her, we can safely believe that he will not change his plan in the time to come, for he is God and therefore does not change in his thoughts or in his way of acting, close quote. And again, St. Louis de Montfort, quote, Our Blessed Lady is the means our Lord made use of to come to us. She is also the means which we must make use of to go to him. For she is not like all other creatures who, if we should attach ourselves to them, might rather draw us away from God than draw us near him. The strongest inclination of Mary is to unite us to Jesus Christ, her son, and the strongest inclination of the son is that we should come to him through his holy mother, close quote. Don't forget those words of St. Louis de Montfort. What our, our, what our Savior Jesus Christ most wants is he wants us to come to him. Come to me, all you who are weary and find life burdensome. If you find darkness and confusion in life, come to me, come to me. He wants us to come to him through his holy mother. And blessed Pope Pius IX, quote, For God has committed to Mary the treasury of all good things, in order that everyone may know that through her are obtained every hope, every grace, and all salvation. For this is his will, that we obtain everything through Mary. Close quote. Hopefully this makes it clear to you that God's grace comes to us through Mary. And so if what we most need right now is God's grace, we need to grow in our devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is also why it's so important that you try to keep on familiarizing yourself with the message of Our Lady of Fatima. I think it's very beautiful that all of you have made sacrifices to be here at this conference. But continue Encourage others that you know to learn about the message of Our Lady of Fatima, to look up the Fatima Center, take literature with you. We usually make an announcement and say that we don't want to take any of our literature back to the, to, to the Fatima Center, and so we want it, everybody to take it and, and use it, benefit from it, uh, spread it to others. I think it's a beautiful way to show devotion to our Blessed Mother if you just can make a small little step in helping someone else to know a little bit more about the message of Our Lady of Fatima. How happy that will make Our Lady and also, obviously, Jesus himself. That should be obvious. If we make Our Blessed Mother happy, that's certainly about the best way to make Jesus happy. So, one other small detail here that I'll um, uh, tell you that has to do also with the importance of grace and seeking the help of Mary. So this is what St. Louis de Montfort teaches. Quote, chosen soul. So he's speaking to each one of you. Chosen soul. God wants you to become holy like him in this life and glorious like him in the next. It is certain that growth in the holiness of God is your vocation. All your thoughts, words, actions, everything you suffer or undertake must lead you toward that end. How will you bring this about? What steps will you take to reach the high level to which God is calling you? Close quote. Basically, St. Louis de Montfort is saying, you are called to be holy, holy like God. How are you going to do this? Now, don't forget this because even in the midst of the very terrible crisis 
in which we're living, God in his mysterious wisdom wants us to grow in holiness. Don't forget this. And he will give us the grace. God is all-powerful. It doesn't matter how many people deviate from the faith. Even if it's the Pope and just about every bishop, God will still give you the grace to grow in holiness. So how do you grow in holiness? St. Louis de Montfort lists five means of holiness and salvation, which he says are known to everybody. I don't think anymore, but maybe in his time they were known to everybody. But he says, everybody knows these five means to salvation, to holiness and salvation. He says, number one, sincere humility. Two, unceasing prayer. Those of you that heard my sermon yesterday will remember that because that's what I was emphasizing. Unceasing prayer. One of the means of holiness and salvation. Three, complete self-denial. Four, abandonment to divine providence. And five, obedience to the will of God. But here's the key, because then he writes, quote, For us to practice all these, the grace and help of God are absolutely necessary. Close quote. He continues, quote, We must discover a simple means to obtain from God the grace needed to become holy. My contention is that you must first discover Mary if you would obtain this grace from God. Close quote. So there St. Louis de Montfort is saying, look, to grow in holiness and to be saved, which is what we have to be striving to do even in the midst of this crisis. St. Louis de Montfort says, these are the things you have to do. Pray without ceasing, obedience to God's will, uh, complete self-denial. He says, but to do these things, you need God's grace. You can't do it without God's grace. And then he says, the simple way to be able to obtain God's grace, get close to the Virgin Mary. Draw near to our Blessed Mother. So, I want to here very quickly just give you an example of how our Blessed Mother, just like she's bringing us all of God's graces, She's bringing us a special grace to understand better what's taking place in the church right now. That is this age of apostasy. The fact that so many members of the Catholic Church's hierarchy have rejected and betrayed Christ and turned away from the truth and from Catholic Church teaching. Our Blessed Mother was warning about this and she's been warning about this for hundreds of years. I'll read to you very quickly just some examples of this. The first one is Our Lady of Buen Suceso of the Purification in Quito, Ecuador, February the 2nd, 1634. She revealed the following to Mother Mariana de Jesus Torres, quote, and again, this is, she's, talk, she's saying this in 1634, basically 300 years before it's going to take place, quote, at the end of the 19th century and into the 20th century, various heresies will be propagated. As these heresies spread and dominate, the precious light of faith will be extinguished in souls by the almost total corruption of customs. During this period, there will be great physical and moral calamities, both public and private. The small number of souls who hidden will preserve the treasure of the faith and the virtues will suffer an unspeakably cruel and prolonged martyrdom, close quote. So our Blessed Mother speaking about our times, she says that the light of faith will be almost completely extinguished. And in that um, locution, Mother Mariana de Jesus Torres also saw that the sanctuary lamp was extinguished. The lamp there that's telling us that Christ is present there in the tabernacle. I think a very powerful sign of how even faith in Christ's presence in the Eucharist, faith in what the holy sacrifice of the Mass is, will be nearly completely gone. Our Lady of La Salette, 
September the 19th, 1846. She said these words while weeping and weeping. Don't forget this. Our blessed mother, weeping and weeping, says, quote, the chiefs, the leaders of the people of God have neglected prayer and penance and the devil has bedimmed their intelligence. They have become wandering stars which the old devil will drag along with his tail to make them perish. The vicar of my son will suffer a great deal because for a while the church will yield to large persecution, a time of darkness, and the church will witness a frightful crisis. Rome will lose the faith and become the seat of the Antichrist. Close quote. Our Lady of Akita, October the 13th, 1973. This was the exact 56th anniversary of the miracle of the sun. Our Lady of Akita says the following to Sister Agnes Sasagawa. This took place in Akita, Japan. Quote, The work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confreres. Churches and altars sacked. The church will be full of those who accept compromises. And the demon will press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of the Lord. Close quote. And very important, Our Lady at Fatima, again, bringing us light to understand what's taking place right now. Sadly, Pope Francis and the bishops in the world today, they're not on our side. They're not on our side. So many of them are seeking to destroy the church, some knowingly, some unknowingly. And again, it's not just what we're seeing with our eyes and what we're hearing with our ears, especially now with this Synod of the Amazon. And it's not because I say it. Pay attention to our Blessed Mother. And again, at Fatima, it is almost certain that the text of the third secret of Fatima, which, by the way, has still not been made public, this is in disobedience to our Blessed Mother. Again, the popes disobeying our Blessed Mother, disobeying God now for almost 60 years on this point. They were supposed to make this text public. They still haven't done it. It's almost certain that this text predicts a great apostasy in the church a catastrophic loss of faith and discipline sometime after 1960. Nearly every single witness who has spoken about the third secret alludes to this. For example, Father Joaquin Alonso, who spent 10 years studying the Fatima archives, stated, quote, It is quite possible that in this period after 1960, the text of the third secret makes concrete references to the crisis of faith of the church and to the negligence of the pastors themselves, close quote. And Father Alonso also speaks of, quote, internal struggles in the very bosom of the church and of grave pastoral negligence by the upper hierarchy, close quote. Cardinal Odi stated in March 17, on March 17, 1990, quote, the Blessed Virgin was alerting us against apostasy in the church, close quote. And Cardinal Chapi, the personal papal theologian to Popes Pius XII, John XXIII, Paul VI, John Paul I, and John Paul II, stated in March 2002, quote, In the third secret it is foretold, among other things, that the great apostasy in the church will begin at the top. Close quote. Don't forget that. The great apostasy in the church will begin at the top. Who's at the top? The Holy Father. So, all of this I mention because our Blessed Mother is helping us. She is bringing special graces to us for our times at Fatima to help us to understand this. Because many Catholics, the reason why they are not keeping the Catholic faith and living it correctly is because they are blindly following what the Pope or the bishops are saying and doing. And they are the ones who are apostatizing. 
the practical application of all this is to realize that, and this is very scary, that the greatest enemies of the faith today are members of the hierarchy. In terms of devotion to our Blessed Mother, what can we do? Very important, obviously, that we pray the rosary. I'll say a little bit more about this in tomorrow's sermon. But right now, I just want to read to you a few quotes telling you how important it is that we pray the rosary and that we be faithful to the rosary every day. This is one of the most important ways that you can practice devotion to our Blessed Mother. St. Dominic, who in the year of our Lord, 1208, received the rosary from the hands of the Blessed Virgin Mary near Toulouse, France, after three days of prayer and fasting, said, quote, After the Holy Mass and the Divine Office, there is no homage as pleasing to God and His Blessed Mother as the fervent recitation of the rosary, close quote. Pope Leo XIII, this is incredible. He wrote 12 encyclical letters and five apostolic letters on the subject of the rosary between 1883 and 1898. This is just a little bit before Our Lady appears at Fatima. During this 16-year period, an encyclical letter appeared almost every year on the rosary in preparation for the month of October. And at every one of the six apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima, the Virgin Mary asked the shepherd children to pray the rosary. This is why Father Isaac, who's here, why he says the rosary is not an option. You have to pray the rosary. If you're going to be able to keep and live your Catholic faith in these times, you have to pray. You have to be devoted to our Blessed Mother. At the sixth and final apparition on October the 13th, 1917, Our Lady revealed herself as, quote, I am the Lady of the Rosary, close quote. Saint Jacinta, when asked what the Blessed Mother asked most, said, quote, What Our Lady of the Rosary especially recommended to us is to recite the Rosary every day, close quote. If there's one thing you remember from the message of Our Lady of Fatima, let it be to pray the rosary every day with devotion, with faith, begging Our Lady's intercession for God's mercy and God's truth, God's grace, God's grace and God's truth, grace and truth. And Sister Lucia, in her interview with Father Agustin Fuentes on December the 26th, 1957, this was the last time that she was allowed to give an interview in public. She said, quote, The Most Holy Virgin in these last times in which we live has given a new efficacy to the recitation of the rosary to such an extent that there is no problem, no matter how difficult it is, temporal or especially spiritual, that cannot be solved by the rosary, close quote. Another way to practice devotion to our Blessed Mother the use of the brown scapular. If we are to be clothed in Mary's habit, it's the brown scapular, we should strive to be clothed also in her virtues, especially chastity and modesty in dress. Those things go together. Some Catholics today, they question why modesty in dress is so important. A lot of the women also question that. That's very much linked to the scapular and the habit of Mary. Dressing like the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is from a letter written by His Holiness Pope Pius XII on February the 11th, 1950. That's the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes to the Carmelites. This was on the occasion of the 7th century of the Brown Scapular. So from 1251 to 1951, 700 years. The Pope wrote the following. Listen, because he explains what it means to wear the scapular. It's not just that you're wearing it. You're practicing different virtues. This is what he says, quote, May those who wear the scapular see in this keepsake of the Virgin herself a mirror of humility and purity. May they read in the very simplicity of the garment a concise lesson in modesty and simplicity. Above all, may they behold in this same garment 
which they wear day and night, the eloquently expressive symbol of their prayers for the divine assistance. Finally may it be to them a sign of their consecration to the most sacred heart of the Immaculate Virgin. Close quote. And I'll just remind you there that the Pope is saying that the fact that a Catholic is wearing that scapular day and night, that it should remind the Catholic that he should be praying basically day and night. Praying for God's assistance in Mary's intercession. Right here, uh, I'm just going to read to you a, a, a real quick list. It's a list that St. Louis de Montfort gives of how to, he calls them interior practices of true devotion to Mary and then exterior practices. The interior practices are things that you do to, to be devoted to our Blessed Mother that others can't see. They're acts of your intellect and your heart, your will. The exterior practices are things that people can see or words that can be heard. And so this is what he tells us. He tells us these are some interior practices for devotion to Mary, for true devotion to Mary. One, to esteem and honor her above all the other saints. Two, to meditate on her virtues, her privileges, and her actions. Three, to contemplate her grandeurs. Four, to make acts of love, praise, and gratitude to her. Five, to invoke her cordially. Six, to offer ourselves to her and unite ourselves to her. And seven, to perform all our actions with a view to pleasing her. Seek to please our Blessed Mother in everything you say and do and think. And then the exterior practices of true devotion to Mary that he lists are one, to proclaim her praises, two, to pray the Holy Rosary, three, to wear the brown scapular, four, to sing spiritual canticles in her honor, Five, to adorn her altars and to crown and ornament her images. Six, to carry her images in procession and to wear an image of her about our our own persons. And seven, to have copies of her name or picture made and placed in churches, houses, or on the gates and entrances into cities, churches, and houses. And I will conclude with a... uh, a few words on devotion to the true Catholic Mass because this is also extremely important. If we are going to live and keep our Catholic faith in this age of apostasy, not only do we have to practice true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, but remember St. John Bosco's dream. The even bigger column was the column of the Holy Eucharist. So, even more so than the great column in St. Bosco, St. John Bosco's dream, the message of Our Lady of Fatima underscores the supreme importance of the traditional Latin Mass. I'm not going to be able to explain all the details of this, but try to remember this main thesis. Again, that our Blessed Mother at Fatima is showing us how important the Holy Eucharist is, how important the Holy Mass is, and specifically the traditional Latin Mass. And really also warning us, just like she's warning us against errors against the truth, the errors of Russia, linked to that are also errors in worship. Because think about this for just one moment, and take this very seriously. Our Blessed Mother at Fatima warned that if we did not obey her, and to a large extent we have not obeyed, that the errors of Russia would be spread throughout the world. That's what's happened. That's why we have heresies that are everywhere, even within the Catholic Church. That's why we have right now communists and Freemasons that have infiltrated into the church, into the hierarchy. This is what's going on. But think about this. We might say that the greatest error of Russia is the error of worship, false worship, because that's the error, the most grotesque error of worship, atheism. But what communism does is communism replaces 
God with man. And communism worships man. In many different ways, when one begins to really study, and I encourage you also to do this, when one begins to really study the differences between the traditional Latin mass and the Novus Ordo Mise, one sees precisely that. That the traditional Latin mass is theocentric, centered on God, and centered on the worship and adoration of the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And in the Novus Ordo, there's been this shift towards man, towards the individual priest, toward an individual community, or even an individual local church. I urge all of you, please, go only to the traditional Latin Mass. I know this will be probably a challenge for many of you, since I will not be able to explain this in depth. Certainly, if you have more questions, we can talk a bit more about this in the question and answer session, but I urge all of you to go only to the traditional Latin Mass. If one is truly devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary, Think about this. If you're truly devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary and you reflect well on her message at Fatima, one is sure to commit oneself 100% to the traditional Latin Mass. Let me just explain very briefly. In particular, the appearances of the angel of Fatima throughout 1916 and the spectacular vision of Sister Lucia at Tui, Spain on June the 13th, 1929 emphasize the importance of the traditional Latin Mass while warning of the grave defects in the future Novus Ordo Mise. And you might ask, how's that, Father? Well, according to the message of Fatima, especially in these elements, again, the apparitions of the angel in 1916 and the, the, the theophany, the manifestation of God in the uh, vision of Tui, the holy sacrifice of the Mass demands profound adoration and reverence for God and the real presence of our Lord in the Eucharist. Remember in particular how the angel of Fatima, how he falls prostrate and adores our Lord present in the Holy Eucharist. In a sense, what what we should be doing spiritually at Mass is prostrate, prostrate on the ground adoring God. at least kneeling. And that's already one, and it's not an insignificant detail where you see that so much of the kneeling, which is so important mass, and you have it in the traditional Latin mass, how it's been eliminated and taken away in the new mass. The message of Fatima also emphasizes that the mass is theocentric. It's centered on God and that it is a sacrifice The truth about God, Jesus Christ, and the Mass as sacrifice are transmitted in the message of Fatima and also through the traditional Latin Mass, but not so in the Novus Ordo Mise. The angel of Fatima warns of outrages and sacrileges that are being committed against our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. And that is so widespread today so widespread in the, in the, what I call the Novus Ordo land. And he says that reparation must be made. And don't forget that prayer of reparation that I also mentioned in yesterday's sermon where the angel teaches the children to pray and, and beg pardon of God because he is no longer being adored, believed, hoped, and loved. It's sad but true that that's what's taking place at Mass more than any other place at the holy sacrifice of the masses where God should be adored, loved, hoped in, um, believed in, everything centered on God, that's no longer taking place through the Novus Ordo, which is why at Fatima, our Blessed Mother is asking for so much reparation. Reparation that has to be made against all of these sins against our Lord present in the Most Holy Eucharist. I will conclude thus and uh, hopefully, if there's time, expand a little bit more on this in the question and answer section. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen.